always. What a good reminder for us this morning. In that church, my goodness, the same God that was yesterday is today and forever, and that same God uh, is with you here this morning. Uh, so uh, there are two topics uh, that no one likes to hear about in church. Uh, the first topic, of course, is money. Uh, the second topic, of course, is sin, and both seem to make people really uncomfortable, and the mere mention of e- either will kind of invoke the response of, all that I hear about when I come to church is money or, or sin. And some may even walk out, Whether maybe some of those that are worshiping with us for the first time are like, I'm never going back to that church after hearing that message. But the reason why it makes us feel kind of uncomfortable uh, is that, you know, as we look at some of these things, um, they challenge us. Maybe they convict us a little bit. Maybe they, they bring to light stuff that we already know to be true about our own lives and our own hearts that we're already struggling with. So we kind of try to distance ourselves a little bit, maybe maybe stand off a little bit that we know in our hearts to be true. And while we won't be talking about and focusing on the topic of money today, um, I do want to let you know that we incorporated a new giving platform uh, that may be familiar to many of you uh, as you go out. Um, if the service, Of course you have your bill, but if the service was good, just uh, you can look at that tip. If it was a wow service, 20%, best service ever. Uh, there is a no tip button, but it's really small. You can't see it. That's intentional. But uh, anyway, just uh, if you want to use that. But uh, we're going to talk about every second least favorite topic, and that, of course, uh, is sin as we continue to sift through 2 Samuel. Sin and its consequences. Yay! Thank you, Pastor Amelia. Yes, yes. But what I love about our text for today, uh, what it does is it teaches us how to kind of navigate once, once there has been sin in our lives, once that's consumed us, the question becomes, well, now what? How do, how do we continue to move through that in that season of life in a healthy way and, and what it looks like on the other side? Because the reality is, is that we've all been there, whether, whether through our words or maybe through our actions as well. We know the consequences of sin uh, and, and how sin not only impacts our lives, but you know what? that sin can impact the lives of those around us. Uh, For those of you who may not know, I I had an opportunity to work in the restaurant industry for a while, uh, and I learned the hard way that it's important to rotate stock. So at the end of the night, one night, I I decided, you know, I'm going to take my half full uh, box of lemons that we didn't use. I I shuck clams and oysters, so if anybody has a clam or oyster uh, festivity, I I can do that for you. Um, But uh, but anyway, I don't like eating them, so you'll just save money that way. But but what I did was I took the the ones that we didn't use, and, and I saw another half-used box in the the walk-in fridge, and so I figured, well, let's consolidate those. So I dumped my lemons on the top of the the other box of lemons. Didn't think anything of it, Uh, and then it went, until it went back in the walk-in like that next week, and the ones on the bottom had not only grown moldy, but that mold now started to creep into the newer, fresher lemons. So we wound up throwing a a case of lemons away, and when the manager asked, well, who did that? I said, no, it wasn't me. You know, much like mold on lemons, sin and its consequences not only has the power to, to transform our lives and impact our lives, but it also has the power to impact the lives of those around us and oftentimes those closest to us. And, and, and oftentimes what we do is we kid ourselves and we think and we try to justify our actions and, and think in the back of our minds, well, it's just impacting me. It's not harming anybody else. But the reality is when it comes to sin, it just doesn't impact us. It impacts all those around us. There's there's a ripple effect no matter what that sin may be. But it's in these moments that we come face to face with the consequences of our sin. 
And what do we do? We fall down to our knees. We lift up a prayer. We may even have tears running down our faces that God would somehow change the outcome of of what's happening, the things that we brought upon ourselves, the result of our own decisions and actions, I might add. And we may even try to barter with God a little bit, saying, Lord, Lord, I know I messed up, but, but if you change X, Y, and Z, then I will do X, Y, and Z. And sometimes there's a financial thing that, that we make an obligation to God about. Did I mention we're trying a new giving strategy here at King of Kings? Yet, yet when it comes to sin, there's a difference between remorse, being sorry for what we've done, okay? And oftentimes it's kind of woven into, well, I'm just kind of sorry I got caught, And the other thing, which is known as repentance, which is a true turning from our sin, understanding that we have sinned against God. It goes beyond remorse. It goes on regret. It goes beyond feeling badly for our sin. It's the breaking of our heart so much that there's a change of heart. There's a change of action. The word repentance literally means the act of changing one's mind. And while there may be a change of heart, While there may be forgiveness, and in fact, your sins are forgiven by the grace of God, those consequences sometimes remain. And oftentimes, what we're left dealing with is really the ripple effect of that sin. I want to just simply put it in perspective. You can certainly eat 12-day-old sushi that's been left on the counter for six hours. You could pray all you want, but chances are soon you'll find yourself dealing with the consequences of that decision. See how easy it is, right? We make a decision, but sometimes we continue to deal with the consequences even though our prayers may go in a different direction. You see, some of us are dealing with the consequences of sin, its impact on our lives and relationships. That bridge that we chose to cross comes crumbling down underneath us and we're, and we're feeling like, like we're, we're losing control. That, that puzzle has been spilled and we're not only left picking up the pieces, but sometimes some of those pieces get lost. And some of this morning know what, what I'm talking about. You're experiencing the consequences of sin in your life and, and what was has now been disrupted. It's been changed. And you now find yourself dealing with that, that aftermath. See, that's where David was. David came face to face with the consequences of his sin. He knew the gift of God's grace and the healing power of forgiveness, yet he continued to feel the ripple effect of his decisions. Yet holding on to the chance, that slight sliver of hope that the outcome would change, he, he fasted, he prayed day in and day out. The Bible shares this in 2 Samuel verse 12, 16. As David therefore pleaded with God for the child, David fasted and wept, went in and lay all night on the ground. The elders of the house stood beside him, urging him to rise from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with him. See, this symbolizes that David, David is broken. And maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you're reeling from the consequences of, of a sin, whether something you've said or done, or maybe something someone else has said or done. And maybe, maybe it was a, a culmination of things, or maybe it was just a one single catastrophic moral failure. But even those little things do add up over time. And some of you have been dealing with those little things over and over and over. And just like David, you've been praying and praying that that outcome would change, but it didn't. And you're faced with the reality of sin and wondering in the back of your mind, how does somebody recover from this? Or will I ever recover from this? We've all been there. And if you're there right now this morning, please know that our prayers are with you in this season of life because it's a hard season to wade through and to walk through and to navigate.
You see, while the weight of regret and the consequences of sin are part of our story, I want to tell you this morning that it does not have the last word. And maybe that's the message that you needed to hear today because that's where you are right now. It's a reality for you. Or maybe you're shaking, nodding your head in affirmation. You're like, yep, yeah, pastor, I know exactly what you're talking about because I just got through that and, and I resonate with what you're saying. Or maybe, maybe you're tucking it away because one day you'll look back on these words and they'll speak into that situation where you are facing the consequences of sin. But the question is, how do we move beyond the consequences? In spite of the pain, the void, the loss that remains, the, the significant impact that it has on relationships or even on households, and, and, and how does it have on our, our lives and, and even the lives of others? In David's case, what did he do? Verse 20, let's look at it. Then David rose from the ground. See, first thing I want you to know is there's, there's this sense of being lifted up. And wherever you are, we are able to rise from the depths no matter the decisions we, we have made. It goes on to say he washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. In other words, he cleansed himself. And a part of that, I would imagine, is that he also reminded himself that he was a child of God. You know, tis the season for bonfires, right? And, and for fire pits. And we love sitting around them. We love gathering together, right? But there's a certain smell that comes with it that gets in your clothes and your hair. And after you take a shower, do you put on those same smoky clothes, smelly clothes again? No, because there's a new and fresh beginning. While you certainly had that experience, it's, it's a new day. It's exactly what's happening here. In essence, David is getting ready for a new day. And for those of you who experience loss or trauma, you know the impact because, because it sets our eyes not on what was. We could get stuck in what was. It sets our eyes on what will be and gives us a hope for a future, no matter what we have experienced in the day. Yet how often we want to hide. We want to, we want to just crawl underneath a rock. How often we want to remove ourselves from others, I mean, due to guilt and shame, right? And we just want to stay at home, be in our pajamas, and not deal with the world. And in so doing, we continue to be consumed. Much like that smoky from the bonfire, we allow sin to continue to leach onto our lives. Listen, church, in those times when sin wins, and I want you to hear me, in those times when sin wins. Don't allow it to have another victory and another and another by keeping you stuck. Don't allow it to continue to destroy you even further by holding on to it, by being consumed by it, by, by just not letting it go. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge the pain that it caused you. Acknowledge the pain that it caused those you love and step into God's grace. That is the invitation. That's how you keep sin from winning. It's not the initial thing that we only have to worry about. It's one we keep stuck and we keep holding on and it gets another victory. And while there are going to be those people in your lives when you sin who will not allow you to forget, who are going to keep reminding you, who are going to keep bringing it up, who are, who are not going to give you the benefit of doubt, you have been cleansed, you have been washed anew by the blood of Jesus. You've been washed anew by the blood of Jesus. And I want you to know that whatever decision you have made. You know, probably my most favorite verse on the power of forgiveness is from Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. 
And it says this, come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. Basically what it's like, okay, well, let's let bring it on, right? The, the Lord's saying, I, I, if you want to argue with me, I, I will argue back. Look what he says. Through, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. They'll be washed anew, church, by the grace and the mercy of God. So I, I can't tell you uh, exactly what I said, but, but a girl I wanted to impress so badly asked me what I thought about my buddy Rob's new girlfriend, right? And, uh, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, she destroyed our friend group, and, and I don't like her. You know, I even knew that she was one of those people who liked to cause drama wherever, wherever they went, and, and it, they seemed to be kind of the root cause of whatever turmoil was going on in whatever social group, right? Yeah, train like waiting to happen, yet guess who boarded that train? Toot toot, this guy. Keep in mind that this was before social media, but what I said circulated so quickly that I think in the back of my mind I actually created social media because by the next bell, my buddy Rob confronted me and my stomach just dropped because of what I said. Because I, what I said not only about her, but what I said about their relationship where I stepped into a place I wasn't called to step into. His friends were not only mad at me, her friends were mad at me, and you know what? It felt like the whole school was mad at me, and so that night I dwelt on it, I prayed on it, I prayed like Jesus in the garden, I said, let this cup pass from me, right? Uh, Something stuck from confirmation, because I'm praying and praying that I would just take it back, or, or that the outcome would be different. I still remember that sick to my stomach feeling as I thought about that next day, and all I wanted to do is I wanted to stay home. I didn't want to go to school. I, I wanted to hide. And maybe you experienced that as well. Maybe you stepped into a similar situation where you also felt that same depth in, in the, the gut, uh, in your gut. But what did I do? You know, the next day I got up, I got dressed, I went to school. Different school, mind you, but I went to school. <laughs> now, it wasn't a different school. Though it was hard to face that day, as the whispers kept circulating, as the pot stirring continued, as the troublemakers and the drama makers do what they do best, right? There was healing in that moment. As I acknowledged that I had caused pain. It wasn't easy, it wasn't comfortable, but it's a necessary part of that healing and forgiveness process for ourselves. Church, David got up. David, David looked beyond the experience that he just had where his world came crashing down around him and he looked to the future, to God's plan. Church, don't allow the sin in your life to have another victory by isolating yourself. Don't close your off from the people, the very people that care for you, that support you, and allow them to walk with you even though it may be difficult for us to receive that because of what we are carrying. If there's another piece I want you to notice here, notice where David went first, right? He went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. He sought God's mercy and grace. You see, he understood where true forgiveness comes from because oftentimes we don't get it from other people. He went to the source and the power of that forgiveness. And though life itself unravels, God is still God and worthy of our praise. No matter what we are going through, God is still God and worthy of our worship. Yet how often we remove ourselves from the very place that we're called to be. How often we remove ourselves from, from community, right? Because, because of that guilt or because of that shame that we're carrying. We think that everybody knows and everybody's talking about us, right? 
we should have only one concern, and that is the, the love of our Heavenly Father, even in the midst of those times. But how often, rather than running to our loving Heavenly Father, we run to other things, trying to cover up that pain, right? Trying to numb it, trying to down, drown it with other things which don't make things better. Actually, what those things wind up doing is that they make things worse. You know, many a country song is based on drowning our sorrows away, right? But here's the deal. In every country song, the dog and the truck are still gone. They don't come back. But it's not only that. But how often we try to cast the blame. Uh, Somebody else's fault, right? Somebody else made me do it. In fact, that's what I love about Psalm 51 that Pastor Amelia gave us as our spiritual practice last week. It's a prayer of restoration and, and repentance, one of the clearest examples in all of Scripture. Yet David's words also come from a place of hope. And as he came face to face with his own brokenness, and while it was spoken into a specific time, into a specific situation that we read about in 2 Samuel chapter 11, right? The very sin that we've been talking about with Bathsheba. I truly believe that David's words can be applied to our own lives as used to express a deep felt need for mercy and for grace. Let's take a peek. Have mercy on me. Oh God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And notice, what I want you to notice here is David doesn't soften this language. He doesn't say, hey Lord, I made a mistake, kind of sorry, a little messed up a little bit. He doesn't quote the great philosopher who once said, oops, I did it again. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Call it what it is, sin. Because when we acknowledge our sin and separate and separation from God and others, we're able to understand our need for God's grace. Confess it, call it what it is. I have sinned against you, Lord, in thought, word, and deed. And if we, we could, didn't get the me and my and I ownership here, David goes on to say, against you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. And once again, how often we play the blame game when it comes to sin. Well, if that person didn't do this or if they actually did this, then I wouldn't have to go down that road, right? David, David owns it. He goes on to say, hide your face from my sin and blot out my all iniquities. Here's the deal, church. No matter what you think somebody else caused you to do, ultimately, it was your decision. And I want you to hear that. I want you to hear that. No matter what somebody, you think somebody else caused you to do, how they caused you to respond, ultimately, it was our decision to step into that space, no matter what it is. It's not about casting the blame. It's about taking ownership for our sin. And it's here that David prays in the rest of this psalm the prayer for his own heart. See, while David acknowledges his sin, he also acknowledges the love and faithfulness of God. And I want you to hear several things clearly this morning. I want you to listen up. Though you're feeling drawn down by the weight of guilt and shame right now, life isn't over. Though addiction won today, life isn't over. Though the regret from decisions made before, from yesterday's stuff are consuming your mind right now, I want you to know that life isn't over. Though sin and its consequences may have destroyed relationships, even though it may ripped your household apart, I want you to know this morning that life is not over. Though we may be faced with the consequences of sin, I want you to hear me, church, and say it with me. 
life is not over because of the promise and the transformation of God's grace. Listen, what was may not be the same. It may never be restored, but in Christ, there is forgiveness that creates a new beginning. And the question is how we step into that new beginning. In fact, look at what happens next. As after preparing his own heart and worship, where did he go? He then went to his own house, and when they asked, they set food before him, and he ate. He allowed others to care for him and to support him. Then his servant said to him, what, what is this, that thing that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while it was alive, but, but when the child died, you, you rose and you ate food. He, he said, while the child was alive, I, I fasted and wept, for I said, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me, and the child may live, but, but now he is dead. Why, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. In other words, David's saying, I I can't go back. I can't fix what's been done, but I can look forward. I can move on into the future. And while the servants of David found David's response quite odd, perhaps it points to another reality that David, while David experienced grief and the consequences of sin, perhaps there was ultimately a, a sense of peace not that David welcomed the outcome, not that David's heart was no longer broken over the, over the death of his child, but the thing that weighed on him so much, the thing that consumed him, had been brought to the light. He was able to step into grace. You know, for those of you here this morning, I should say for those of us who are here this morning, who are carrying around with us a secret sin, what would it mean for us to confess it before God? so that we, we may be refreshed? What would it mean for us to just kinda let go what, whatever we've been carrying, whatever we've been holding on to for far long, trying to keep hidden from the sight of others and find relief in God? Confess it this morning. I want, you, I want you to leave it at the altar this morning. Pray over it and say, Lord, I've been carrying this burden. I've been carrying this sin for way too long. And I place it before you. I place it in your hands because I know and I trust that there is forgiveness and new life in you. And rather than having sin, have a victory over victory over victory. I place it in your hands. Because it's only then out of brokenness can lives and relationships be restored. See, while David experienced loss, God continued to work in his life. In fact, God was not done with David. God was not done with Bathsheba, as they would not only have a son by the name of Solomon, who was not only a great king, he was also known as a wise king. He wrote the book of Proverbs, but he was also a part of the line and the lineage of Jesus, a savior who would take upon the sin of the world, who would die on the cross for the sake of the world, the same redeeming grace David experienced is here for you this morning. The same redeeming love is available for you and for me this morning. In fact, for your homework this week, and I'm gonna start talking about spiritual practices, so sorry about that. I love how Pastor Amelia shared that. Spiritual practices, what I want you to do is I want you to read Psalm 103. Uh, read verses 1 through 5 and then 8 through 13. Uh, for those of you who just want to read the whole thing, I encourage you to do that. Uh, it is a powerful psalm of forgiveness and restoration. And, and reflect, how does this word of forgiveness speak to me today as I wade through the consequences of sin, both known and unknown? Both the things that are out there for the world to see as well as those hidden things that we want to keep hidden, right? And answer the question, so now what? How is God inviting me to step into his grace. 
And just as a reminder, as our ushers wait upon us, our gifts and offerings, we're starting a new thing, campaign here at King of Kings. But we are blessed. We are blessed by the spirit and generosity of this family of faith. Uh, not only those in this place, those also who are worshiping online, we are blessed by you as well. And may God continue to do a redeeming work within each of us. In his name we pray, amen.